Welcome to our campaign, set in the galvanizing world of Electroval. Join us for an adventure full of noir intrigue and electrifying spectacle. See the description below for ways that you can stay informed on the latest episode of the series, as well as any other content featured on Dice Carnival. Dice Carnival is sponsored by the wonderful Delta 3 Designs, purveyors of delectable dice sets, dice housing, and modular buildings and terrain. Check out their online storefront at delta3designs.com to browse their collection of handcrafted TTRPG accessories. But wait! You can save 30% if you use code ARCSTONE during checkout. That's right, our listeners get 30% off when they order from Delta 3 Designs. So whether you're in the market for some colorful click-clack math rocks, or you're looking to bring your battle maps to life with masterfully designed accessories, check out delta3designs.com and let them know we sent you. Link and promo code can be found in the description of this episode. That's A-R-C-S-T-O-N-E. Be sure to follow us wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a good rating if you enjoy the episode. Without further ado, let's begin. Good evening. I am your dungeon master and host for tonight's special programming. The city of Electroval shines with a divine eminence of its many, many incandescent bulbs. A spark of light was gifted to its people long ago in hopes that society would never see the darkness that the rest of the world was plunged into. Some lights are known to illuminate and inspire, while others that hang in darker alleys cast long shadows, offering cover for those that dart between them. But it is in these shadows that we find four heroes, who have split into two teams of two. Presented with two stalwart missions, they concluded they could do more good delegated than they could as one unit. While Hugo and Skye joined esteemed journalist Scoop Extra to take on the giant of Tab Media Worldwide and remove the Electroval Gazette from under the thumb of Mr. Lloyd Tab, Soup and Yenden followed Dimitri into the Velvet Blue police station, made out with some evidence, and ventured to the Skyport where they intend to make sure a shipment of highly dangerous energy weapons don't hit the streets of Electroval. I suggest you as a listener, listen closely, because we will be following all four of these heroes this evening. Because not even Jack Rambeau has enough closet space to hold this many skeletons. And where else might we find them, but within an abandoned loading dock, with Soup and Gienden. We could hit it. We could hit it. Do you want to hit it? I'll hit it. I... Can I functionally use my sledgehammer head as a weapon? Guidance? Probably not very well. That That's basically the equivalent of just smashing it with a rock, but I'll let you roll roll me. All right. Improvised strike, just a strength. I got it. Check. Okay. I sure. We'll call it, we'll call it, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll just call it a strength check at guidance. Oh, finally a natural 20. Nice. Okay, then. So as you continue to uh, bang into this one, surprisingly, you do it at a bit of an angle that doesn't end up making too much noise. Right. 
as you are sort of knocking it in there, you're beginning to sort of like loosen this like one sort of like large sort of locked bar until eventually it snaps, but the lock is on top is still hanging shut. And as you sort of uh, manage to get that open, let me see how Birch is doing. Very slow. He still hasn't found a way to insert his Slim Jim. He's like currently on top of it somehow. I think you're using a stick and of he says, jerky. Hey, any of you, have any of you uh, found uh, my hat? I'm gonna look it all over for it. Uh, Soup, is that is is that Birch's hat on your head? I have a leaf up here. No, see, yeah, I'm just gonna pull. Is, I'm I'll yeah. pull off <laughs> Birch's hat. Look at this. Oh, wait, how did that get there? Here, and you just toss it to it Birch. <laughs> and eventually, you get to a point where you see like that latch gets off, and then you see that there is just like another sort of like gray sort of flush door. There's a second on the other door side as you thing? open it up and you see it's like almost built into the container and it's just like a flush white thing except there's like a small seam around the outside and just a small little like circular like centimeter thick wide hole in the middle of this square oh. and it's made out of like a different metal than the container which was like rusty it's like a box built into a box wow and dimitri at this point uh comes over after having dealt with the two casualties Having, just... having secured the collateral damage. Alright. There's say, a second layer of security. <laughs> if you want to, I could get working on this. It points as a d good direction that this could be of Citadel make, but it's not a guarantee. Okay. In case either of you want to begin working on either the other two. You um... didn't make too much noise, which I'm grateful for, but... It's still some noise, and I don't know how long it is before someone comes looking for the two of them, so it might be best to not put all of our Zorps into one fryer, if you understand what I mean. Alright, so how do we handle the one that's got the magical protection? Uh, we could do a bit more insight into the magical protection. I, I guess I'll use a spell slot to, uh, to cast Detect Magic. Okay, so are you guys approaching the green container? Yeah. Remind me, what does it look like when you cast uh, Detect Magic? Have I ever cast? No, you haven't. No? No? I've been narrating some of the stuff for Expedition, but I like to I like, I like to hear how you describe it from time to time. Yeah. Other than just mushrooms and spores. I'd say it's a little bit more of a meditative thing. Soup kind of closes their eyes, makes sort of like... Um, a symbol with their hands in front of their chest and just takes a quick moment to like breathe really slowly. It's a sort of moment where you can tell that this isn't the type of magic soup almost came up with themselves. They def somebody else definitely taught them this technique. And like, they did not is, come up with it. This is this is something that was more sort of taught to you how to attune yourself to to the veil. You think back to your lessons with your mentor, C. As she explained to you that the world itself, magic, how it flows, sometimes it can be a beacon or a fountain like it is in Electroval. The beacon on the horizon, as they always called it, the second sun out in the swamp. But she talks about before it used to be a tapestry, a weave of sorts, before events changed. And back then, a lot of magic or ancestors' traditions practiced, your ancestors' traditions practiced, was about sort of weaving and pulling on threads of this weave to unlock other magic. But because everything has become so un, you know, unwoven with those who sort of channel the magic of nature, of reality, of the veil, 
It's almost as if you're tying these threads together to see what other threads might still be connected. And you think onto that sort of metaphor, and you find yourself sort of connecting some of these threads, threads that spell out particular schools and classes, as they were once called, of magic. And as you kind of begin to sort of focus, your eyes begin to glow with that same sort of like mixing green and purple and orange color. And as you do so, you can kind of find yourself aware of these loose strings that surround you. You look at the sort of club that Yenden holds, and it seems to glow with a bit of energy. You, you, you sense a few other items, such as the crunchy fanny pack. You sense, coming from that crate, a magic aura as well. What type of magic? You focus into it, and you find that it is magic built around protection. All right, so... Can you see into the crates? Or can you detect magic in the crates? That's an interesting idea. Could I try to detect magic to see which one of the crates has the weapons? Uh, You sense that there's some magic coming from the one that Dimitri is looking through? Like evocation? That's abjuration as well, but of a different nature from the other crate. From the other crate, you can sense that there is some other sort of magical potential in there as well, but you can't make out the exact nature of it. It seems that the one that Dimitri's going into seems to be warded against some sort of, like, like magic that you're using. The other crate, though, contains something magical inside of it, but you, 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 it's almost like you're looking at it and you're just seeing, like, wisping trails of flowing threads so of magic around it. That just give a faint indication. The green one is magically protected. The blue one has something magical in it. Yeah, blue one's magically protected. Green one's also magically protected. The green one has something something in it. it. Oh. I'm assuming you're relying all this to me. The the enchantment around the one Dimitri's currently working on is a very clean enchantment. All right, so... It's very well constructed, but but the north one, there's something something notably magical inside of there. And there's something magical on the doors of it. There's something real potent in this green one. I think that might be our weapons then. All right. All right. I'm going to roll for Bert to see if he figured out how to use a Slim Jim yet. (laughs) He rolled lower than last time, and last time he rolled a two. He rolled a one. Oh, Bert. He's just doing his thing. You don't worry about him. Um, yeah. Can I go over to Dimitri and relay this information to him? Yeah. Dimitri seems to be, like, inspecting it for, for a time. He seems to be, like... Peering within, he's got like little bits of spy equipment. He's looking inside at the tumblers and trying to sort of ascertain. He seems to be pulling out little bits of, of dust that he flicks onto it, and you see like little acer carved runes onto the door. And he says, Up, oh, yes, any um, lead? We're thinking that the green door is the one with the weapons inside. Soup is detecting magic inside of the crate. Hmm. It could be a potential that there could be a diversion of sorts. I don't know exactly if they've had the, the gusto to put that much of an effort into it. Let me check the logs. Essentially, what's inside is something I can't quite ascertain the school of. While there's a magical protection on the doors of what you were working on, but it was a lot cleaner. Well, this one is going to be a very difficult door to open, but I think I may be able to if you give me another few minutes. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you think that you'd be able to access the one up there? Possibly. Is there a way for me to use Detect Magic to try to find, like, a weak spot in the protection? Like, if we came from it from a different angle? Um, I'll let you roll a check to potentially do that. What kind of check? Um, we'll, we'll get there when you begin to sort of try that attempt. 
All right. Yeah, I think we're going to try that. All right. going to try um, to avoid it. So you're letting Dimitri continue to work on this one. Uh-huh. Um, and, you, and you go back to where Yenin is. And Yenin, what were you going to do as you're just inspecting the outside of this crate? And mind um, you, it's like the the red one and the blue one are right next to each other. And the green one is like is like further away. And then, not, and then un- making up an incomplete row. Making up an incomplete row. Can I just like, can I inspect the door? Roll me an can... investigation check. Yeah. Oh, let's go. That's a dirty 20 now. Nice. So a few things you notice. For one thing, this is a very old container. You can see the edge of it is of it are rusting. You can see bits of cobweb seem to be attaching itself to the floor. And you see that on this uh, crate, it, it, uh, parts of the metal mechanism are beginning to rust. It looks like this thing has been sitting here for a while. And in fact, you notice that the model of the crate of the shipping container is of an older manufacturer compared to the other two, which look slightly newer. Like this is like an out of date. You just happen to see somewhere, I guess, in like a construction yard, an old shipping container that looks the same. And you're like, this is this is an old container. This has probably been sitting here for half a decade, maybe a whole decade, maybe oh longer. Oh my god. That's, okay. That means that this thing is... Or, com- yeah. Yeah. And it this looks like it hasn't those... been moved in quite time. This is one of our missing crates that's just like lost in the docks. So it's probably not going to have... It's at that point that Dimitri looks and says... From what I'm looking at, the three crates that were here in my own notes, would appear that one of them is the crate that we are looking for. I'm assuming that it may be the one that I'm currently working on right now. Another one arrived only two days ago, and seems to have been imported from some other settlement nearby. I'm not entirely sure, but I think it might be the one that your goblin friend is currently in the process of working on. Should I say liability? Mm -hmm. The other one here... It was checked in here in 121, and it was supposedly being used for personal storage. It's from what I can see. Logs are very archaic. I suppose they had a policy of it at the time. Looks like payments lapsed on it, but people have just forgotten about it. My curiosity's peaked. I'm going to try to get into this thing. I don't want you to get into this thing. (laughs) I want to get into this thing. Dude, we don't know what this is. Whatever you do crate. there, you're welcome to do, but please don't make me stay longer than we really have to stay. Uh, if it I'm takes inclined me, to if think that this is longer, the one we're looking for. If it takes me longer to open this one than it takes you to open that one, I'll give up on Fine. Can I try, try to not to, back to Just stuff? try not to get killed, and he'll go back. And what are you doing, Misha? Yeah, so I'm going to try to uh, come at it from like an angle to like avoid the spell. Try I to mean, Yendon still like within ten feet of like the front thing as you like were inspecting it because yeah. you had to like inspect it. But yeah, what do you do? You just start. You're just creeping along the edge. Well, basically, I have detect magic up, so I can detect where that magic is, and I want to try to see if there's like a weak spot so we can like approach, like like try to open the container from there. Go ahead and uh, roll me an Arcana check. Oh God, I have a negative one. What's the lock on this crate? 19! Oh. You sense it. Um, the lock on here actually seems rather mundane. In fact, it looks so rusty and broken, you could probably just tear it off. I'll give that to you with your check. Yeah, did. Alright. Okay. What about with my Arcana check? Random idea here. I'm... Yeah? yeah. I have this key labeled Otis. I just want to try the key out. Alright. Um, looking at this key, it's too big for the lock. But as I said, it looks like a really crappy lock. Like, you, you spent more effort okay. breaking into the other crate. You could just smash this lock off, like, no yeah. problem. 
Just checking, just checking. I will smash the lock off. All right. Before. Arcana, you know what you're doing, Arcana check. Arcana, what do oh. I get for my Arcana check? Hold on one sec. I'm telling you, but Gannon, what are you doing? Um, I will wait you... until Soup's finished. <laughs> All right. Uh, Soup, you sense that that magic ward is just on the side that Gannon is on. When you walk around the edges, it doesn't seem to have a back. It looks like the back's been completely like welded shut. But you maybe see like a small couple of like rusty holes on the bottom that are very, very tiny, like pinpricks, basically. And you're not sure if they go all the way through or just to another layer of this this insulated container. But you see that. God ah, dang it, I've already used it. Doesn't look like these magics all around. Magic doesn't seem to wrap at all, it just seems to be around the front. Dang it, I've already used up all my wild shaping. And... Yeah, you don't think you'd be able to crawl through there. No. Um, is there a way to break it through the back? Uh, back probably not, but along the sides, maybe. Yeah, I'll try that. What are you doing? Break. Violence. You, you're just gonna start smashing into this metal container? Um... With what? What can, I, what can I use to help me? Wait, I have an idea. If I were to use Earth Tremor, would that help me? With what? What does Earth Tremor do? Charge up Nature's Disciple. I mean, you, you, could, you could probably, like, start whacking at it with Nature's Disciple. No, what I'm saying like... is I, I activate Earth. And okay. then in the skill tree, I can... What, is, what, 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 does, what, does, what does Earth Tremor do? Remind me. Um, Earth Tremor, it basically destroys a bunch of, like, the Earth underneath it and makes it, like, difficult terrain at a point. Um, but I'll I was thinking, like, possibly I could break the bottom of the container with it. I think, like, what it would probably do is it would cause the ground to shake in the area and would, like, uh, probably, like, buckle some of the stones or something like that underneath of it. Or the, the, the yeah, like, the concrete, because this is a concrete floor. Would be noisy, but you could potentially do that. All right, that's noisy. So, I guess I'm just gonna start whacking. I'm so, Gindan, you're just inspecting it, and you just hear hearing the sounds of what looks what sounds like some. I'm not gonna yeah. use nature's disciple for it, so so I don't accidentally break it. But I will use big trusty. All right, so you, you just hear the sounds of literally. It sounds like thunder rattling, of soup <laughs> just banging on the lid of a garbage can. Sound ringing out. Every, this is really noisy. If that's like, the way you're going. That's noisy shit. Shit. I don't think. Stop. So again, then you just run around the side, and you just see soup's like just banged at one time. What, what are you yeah, doing? Shake some of the the thing. It did like heavily dent the rusted area at the bottom where moisture was seeping through. What are you doing? And Soup is- and, and, and Dimitri's like, what the bloody hell was that? Oops. Soup, why are you smacking the side of this crate? I'm trying to get in. Can we not break off the lock? If it might hurt you. There's magical protection on that side. Hmm. Okay. Ah, oh, goodness, I should have been better prepared for this. I don't want to keep trying to break into this thing that we have no business breaking into with this much noise we're making. Alright, um... Can I use, can I use, like, shape water to try to, like, ice open the cracks? I mean, you could probably, like, cause damage. That would be slower. I would probably give you, like, advantage on maybe a check to break it open silently. It would be an endeavor to do. You also do kind of feel like Manny sort of, like, scratching along. <gasps> yes! Can you open it from the inside? Can you ask your son to open it from the inside? There should be enough space There, there isn't any way inside. There's not any way inside. You saw that there was, like, some rust at the bottom of it. I say I ice over the rust, and uh, we can get Manny to go in there and unlock it, or disable what's going on, or figure out what's going on in there. Okay, sure. Can you tell him to do that? I just, like, point Manny towards the thing. <laughs> All right, I ice over the rusted part. So are you doing this on the lock? 
you know what? Let's have man. Maybe we should have Manny try the thing, and if he. Well, here's the thing. You could, you could, if you like, you decide like, okay, we're gonna blitz it, and we're just gonna try to get it open, and try to get out of here quick. That's an option. If you had a way of like silencing the area, that would help a lot. Um, if you had like metal cutting tools, that could potentially help. <laughs> if you had like mage hand or something to like try to pick or tear off the lock. No, I do not. The only thing I would have for that is like deafness, and that only works on one person. All right. Nope. I have a chance. You'd have to find whoever like is watching this area cast deafness on them <laughs> and hope that they don't notice and just like as they're just like Stan Lee and Spider Man. Yep. I have a chainsaw, but that's way too loud for this scenario. <laughs> I mean, that could probably get the job done quick, though. That would. That's if we're like running out of here. Oh, wait. Um, okay, that casting time is one minute. Never mind. You can also know. just give up on it. I want to no. give up on it. I'm voting on giving up on this thing. You know, fuck it. I'm gonna smash the lock. All right, you're just walking up, and you're gonna go just smash the lock off again. Yeah. And what are you doing? Are you walking away at this point? Yeah, I'm walking away. Okay. I'm checking up on Dimitri. I have enough hit points. I can do this. Sure. Okay, so you go ahead and just smash the lock off, and it ching, clatters to the ground. Yeah. And there's a faint, like a just a very faint crack in the door. Like it literally, it literally was not hard to do. You had to smack it twice. It wasn't a super loud sound because it's really dull. Open it. As you open it, you see a flashing of light as a rune rapidly like lights itself up on do the it. door that you're opening it. Uh, super, I need you to roll me a deck save. Of course. Right. Yenden, um, you're out of range of this. I am out of range because I walked away. Seventeen. I don't suffer consequences today, or at least not as much. You you suffer half consequences on a save. But I get the goodies, if there are goodies. There might just be a tiger in there. <laughs> you know what I need? Snail riding gear. So I can, when 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 Beefy Boy finally grows up, I can ride him. So that would be 21 points of cold damage reduced to I 10. I <laughs> Reduced to what? Reduced to 10. And we see like as Beefy Boy tucks into his shell just in time to like get iced over on your shoulder. Now currently hibernating under the ice in Ryan. And we just see as soup, you just like buckle outwards as shards of ice just sort of fly outwards. And it's just a, and Dimitri's like, and Birch's hat just goes flying off as he just gets snow coned in the face as well. Not taking damage, but as I just, just literally ice and like, as if someone just like sprayed like liquid nitrogen across the ground and everything's just ice crystals along the floor. I I've just, never been more excited in my life. I just give soup like the look of death. <laughs> Half I've of never, face is covered in snow. I've never been more excited in my life. I'm gonna check this out. All right. Dimitri is like, what was that? I guess you didn't that... say it was trapped? I did say it was trapped. Not to me? Yeah, I did. All you said was that there was a container that you wanted to open. And I also said it was trapped. And you didn't know. I'm Don't fine. poke around in it anymore, okay? We're done. But and I want to see back. what's in it. You do that at the risk of your own injury. Can I look in, can I look further into the grate? Yes, you can. Soup has taken a glyph of warding to the face. But before we find out what it was over, let us pay a visit to Hugo Sky and Scoop Extra over at Tab Media Worldwide. Hugh the all and powerful fashion diva, Gloria Parcher. Let's go on a stroll. And I kind of give a little message like we don't know who's watching us. I wouldn't I wouldn't have these kinds of conversations over here. Got it. You guys close the door? Yeah. Close it. Rearm it. Alright. There's like a little flick and you see like the lock sort of like close again as the ward is reset. Gloria, do you what do you do with them? 
Hmm. So based on what I know about this place, what would be a helpful thing to do? Well, there's the there's the thing we talked about that you could go by, and the thing you could activate to keep some eyes off of you. I'll do that. All right. What does it look like as Gloria does it? One moment. Let me set up a little something that would be helpful. And what happens is I quickly dash back over to um, over to my desk. Um, I take a little. It almost looks like a tiny, like a teeny tiny projector, but it's like the size of a ring box. I flick it open, twirl the ring around on the inside, close the box, and put it back down. And you see a little bit of a flicker, and then there's another me that looks like I'm just doing average stuff around the office. Yep, just kind of sitting at that desk. A sort of, you, if only at certain angles, you can see bits of light float between the little tiny projector, magical projector, and where Gloria is. But you can see a sort of three-dimensional sort of um, silent hologram sort of seems to be like sorting through illusory papers on the desk. Nice. Meanwhile, you see Gloria has walked over to the wall that Sky had been tapping on earlier that sounded a little bit metal with like the big poster of her. I'm going to carefully remove the poster. Yeah. I mean, like you go ahead, you just see as she leans in and it hinges off until you just see a tiny little door behind the poster. Alright. Just to make sure it's no one's left my office. And I head in. Alright. Gloria sort of bends over, which is rather lithe for a woman her age. It's hard to tell exactly how old she is, but she is certainly she's definitely beyond Hugo's years. Uh, and you see like as she kind of bends over and opens up the door on the other side, it leads into the adjoining office. Which seems a lot a lot less ostentatious in decoration and design. A lot more gray colors, a simple sort of uh, kind of office felt pattern floor, some rolly chairs, a couple of pictures, maybe a couple little knickknacks on a desk, but smaller and less interesting from Gloria's office. But the one thing that is kind of interesting is that it seems to have another, a little tiny staircase inside of it that leads up to another sort of balcony above. Hmm. All right, this way. All right, so all of you file in. Goop is like the last one to go through. And as uh, all of you sort of filter in, are any of you looking around this office space? Are any of you like trying to look at Gloria's office more before you climb through? Yeah, I'll just take a quick look around and see like what the heck's up with this office that's connected. Yeah, go ahead and roll me a investigation. Just roll me, roll me, roll me a perception check. It's just to kind of get a glance, you know? A little peeky-poo. I notice nothing. It is a one. I need to stop with the virtual dice and start using my physical dice. You're like, who is this woman? Why does she have so many magic secrets? (laughs) Your warlock brain is like, she powerful. And this is like a fire Ganassi woman, so you've been around a number of Ganassis associated with your patron. So you're wondering, like, why you've never heard of her before. Yep. Or you have heard of her before. But how much does Hugo remember about her? Nothing. Does, he, does he vocalize any of that? Oh, no. Okay. Once we get into a Gloria. idle chatter. I yep. will say, though, as we are kind of having this development, it's rather mundane as you begin making your way up these staircases through the sort of side entrances to the levels that aren't as routinely patrolled by security. After all, you know all their routes. It's kind of in the job. And as you drift onto the 36th floor... Make a small beeline to a stairwell to the 37th. 
every step you take with Tandem and with Hugo, in fact, probably every step you take, Hugo takes one and a half, considering the length of his legs. <laughs> I'm short, okay? You are be continuing to pick up that these individuals may prove useful to you. And while Hugo maybe has recognized you, he doesn't recognize you. Or at the very least, remember too much of your last encounter. You're welcome to do with that as you will. Do you guys just continue on in, in more or less silence other than, you know, whatever Gloria needs to say to lead you? I'll ask if we're in a place for idle chatter. In this hallway, security's not on this level up until the 39th, and you know how to deal with them. In fact, you know that Mr. Tab doesn't even really like security lingering up there. He's a bit of a private man, like you are a private woman, Gloria. As long as no one's in the halls, it's safe to talk. So I assume you don't remember the countless people who wrote stories on you, who let the whole city know exactly who you are, Mr. Hugo. <sighs> well, I mean, there are a couple of interviews that I do remember, but it it's like every other day of work. You don't remember what you do every day, do you? Every specific day, but... You remember things on a whole, or maybe if something really important happens on a day. I'm sorry that, I will admit, I don't remember the first time that we've met, other than that I've met you and that it was an interview. Would you mind refreshing me? Well, the interview itself was unremarkable. It was just a small personal piece for a little magazine that dealt with fashion and the like, and I remember... We were talking about your rapid rise to success. And at the end, you told me that due to the fact that I haven't risen quite quickly enough that I must be in the wrong place entirely and that I should have a conversation with one of your men. Now, that along with many other other things other individuals have told me about my age and particular approach to success over the years. I mean, I think I figured out my own way of being quite successful, in fact. That magazine became one of the most well-known sources of beautiful imagery. A little bit, little bit more playful. I knew what the people wanted because I had spent so much time around them. But you see, once I reached success, I realized I do need to have an appreciation for the people who helped get me there. That office we passed through, that's the office of my niece, somebody who I see as having promise, and instead of just telling her, go talk to somebody else, I actually took her under my wing, directly introduced her to the people that she needed to know, and now she's here, and one day she may even fill my shoes. We've both been successful. But some of us decide that our success can have more impact, and we choose to use it for the good of others. Yeah. Doesn't sound like I was very kind. Not at all, sir. Not at all. Let's say I'm very sorry about that. Hey, I have come to find that a lot of the ways I've acted were definitely not the best. 
somewhat sometimes quite the standard for for people in in that position of fame, but doesn't exactly meet that right, does it? And you know, you're right. I I I have been learning that I do need to take a little bit more of a direct role if I really want to use my position to help people. So, I do have an honest question to you from successful person to formerly successful person. Out. What are you planning to do from here? Fade into obscurity? Come back in a new way? Do what you've always done? You have kind of more or less faded off the map until a couple days ago. You have an opportunity of your own. What are you gonna do with it? Well, with the with the approximate five minutes of downtime that I've had for the past couple of days. Hold on, you're not planning on using this against me, are you? Just making sure. It's an honest question. I thought it might be. Currently, you know the club closed down. I've been thinking maybe I need to help support the up and coming. I could provide assistance. I could provide direction. And I can provide resources for the up and coming musicians. Music is changing, and don't know if that's a role that I can exactly fill anymore. But some people need the support. Played with a group of lovely young musicians just the other day, and I'm if if I have the means again. Providing them with a, an outlet for their music. Maybe an opportunity for me to still stay on the scene, still provide, but but do some real good. Don't know if that means open up a, a record label or, or what, but... Oh, shoot. I gave them the card for Brimstone. I'm gonna have to find them now, because Brimstone's gone. I know one thing about good people, and that's that good people learn things. Good people learn things, and they use them in the future. I can tell you're a good man, Mr. Hugo Brassleaf. And that's all the revenge I need. Thank you, Gloria. Thank you. As the two of them, the two socialites, the two <laughs> socials, if we will, are kind of leading the front of this path. And at this point, you've gone from sort of sneaking to sort of walking, though I imagine both Scoop and Sky are still being trepidatious with they, how they walk. They peek around every corner as they trail in the back. Scoop kind of approaches you a bit, Sky, just just below audible range of where Gloria would hear, says, So far I'm not seeing any, any signs of, of an ambush, but Hugo's keeping her busy well enough. What's the signal if we, if, if we gotta make, let things get messy? Signal. What kind of signal do you want to use? What works best for you? You're the one who, you're the one who's uh, more experienced in this uh, espionage business than I am. Fair, I guess. How about a code word? Like, what would be something inconspicuous? Christmas. I knew a Christmas. Okay, I'll bring up my friend Christmas. All right. Yeah. Or I'll just say, she's, she's oh, a, she, oh wow, it's she's just a fine lad. Make some of the make make some of the the base too, in the Starlot District. I should take you there sometime. Maybe we maybe we do that. You know, she she always said if I ever need to crash her house in the middle of the night to blow off heat. Wow, she 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 prepared for situations like this. I'm 
All right. I wonder if she's. I wonder if she's in the espionage business. Should I have called her for this? I don't know. I couldn't say. We bring up. We bring up Christmas's name. Or just, just, just the word Christmas, just in any. Sure. All right. Like, form. I, I can work with that. All right. That we gotta catch up. They're gonna suspect we're talking. And they like catch up just as Gloria like glances behind her to make sure they're keeping pace. Now wait, just to, just to confirm one more time, if either of us says Christmas, what is the other one to do? Um, whatever, whatever gets us out of the mess we're 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 about to be in. Okay. I just don't really understand in what situation this would be used. If if she tries to screw us over, and one of us knows it and the other doesn't. I, I'm not really good at this. I'm really trying, Sky. I, I might be able to blind some people with my camera. If I say if I say Christmas, cover your eyes, okay? Okay. Alright. Alright, Gloria. How many more flats of stairs? Looks like we're almost there. Good. I was thinking that this uh, engagement's been running the teens a bit too long. Any beef you have ain't with them, it's with me. Just wanna just wanna remind you that before we step foot in Mr. Tab's office. At this point. Maybe I should make it clear that I've got more beef with Lloyd Tab than I ever will with any of you. At least, unless you prove me wrong. Well, we won't be the ones proving it. I hope not to do that. But, do you know, um, he doesn't like security up here. Do you know if he has his own? Do I know if he has his own? I will message you something real quick. Okay. Just so we know what we're getting into. Don't walk out blundering into any magical traps. Good point. If he does, it would probably be more on the inside. So it would be best if someone with better tools of figuring that out steps in first. I know, Scoop, you, you're very talented in this. We'll step in together, make two parties. I'll, I'll go with Sky. You and Hugo wait in the back. All right. We come up that final flight of stairs, and it has been a lot of stairs. You've just been walking up, walking up, walking up. You literally have climbed five or four stories before you come to the sort of like, and the hallways just kept getting nicer as you went up until you come to like this very like wide sort of like wooded, and mind you, like wood this old is clearly like very much a commodity in interior design. You see, you see like a mat. You see, like, a massive, like, 12-foot-tall portrait as soon as you, like, round the sort of, like, double stairs that merge into one on a single landing. All with sort of, like, curved architectural frames. There's a 12-foot-tall portrait of a man, bald, very, very bulky, kind of standing in a very regal position wearing a sort of white jacket with a sort of uh, blue and black striped tie. It's like a little flower tucked into his lapel. And I say, you're not sure how big this man is, but he appears to be human. And this image is very beautifully done, oil paint. Oil painted. But it is... It is intimidating to look at. You almost feel like this big sort of bullying personality is just staring you down from this frame. And you see, like, directly to, like, the left of it are a pair of double doors, and there's a sort of empty secretary's desk outside of it and there's just like little benches and stuff where people might wait you see that there's like massive there's like big red letters in the same font as tab or just read lloyd tab full full like bold font humble hugo says knowing full well he definitely has a portrait of himself somewhere yeah 
I mean, but Hugo though, like even even like if we take away the halfling proportion, this this is a oh, yeah. massively vain. <laughs> massively, it's not even that he has a photo of himself. It is that it's twelve feet tall, and it feels like no matter where you are in the room, it is just radiating personality off of it. You can't help but you can't help you all. All of you can't help but feel small, let alone Hugo. It looks like yeah. It looks like I it's think watching we should, from every angle. I think we should draw a mustache on it. <laughs> <laughs> you have to, like, reach a good... It's hung up a teensy bit. Probably, like, a good, like, 15 feet to re reach the, the mustache level. <laughs> Is anyone actually going to do that? If there's time at the end. <laughs> well, Gloria, you've got to undo... You've got to undo whatever ward he has on his office that keeps it locked. But... Yeah. You've got a moment, Sky. If you really want to. <laughs> Is, is there any kind of long pole around? I told you the 10-foot pole is a useful item, and you did not listen to me. God I said damn you, it. Did you, did you bring the two poles? I, either of the two poles that... I thought we had, did. didn't we? Uh, I think you had them both, because I was going to walk. Didn't we bring them? I thought we brought them. Did you? I, them? I thought that you left them on, 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 the, on, the, on the lift. I totally don't remember. Ten D foot poles. If you want, if you if you really want to say that you have had been carrying around a ten foot pole while skulking through this <laughs> office <laughs> complex, I will one hundred percent allow it. You know what? Yes. <laughs> ten foot but pole. only one of them. Just no, no. I only need one. Okay, where's a pen? Is there a pen around? No, uh, you see, there's like a little cup of pen. Okay. You see, like it's hey. like a little cup that reads uh, tab junior reporter and has like a little deputy star on it okay tape is there tape uh roll an investigation check roll a look for tape check <laughs> is there a special modifier for that doing <laughs> oh uh, investigation I that 20 think. you just go up to a closet and as you open it up it's like there's not that many doors in here it's a very stark very spartan environment but you open up a closet and there are just rolls of office tape Stacked floor to like the ten foot ceiling. Okay, so I'm gonna tape a pen uncapped, you know, to the whatever's the sharpest one. Like if there's anything resembling like an extra thick sharpie, then like that would be there. The there, one. there, there is like a, a thick, a thick black marker, a big fumy. It like smells awful. You can smell the 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 isopropyl alcohol as soon as you pop the lid off. Oh yeah. All right, I'm gonna tape that to the top of the pole. And just go to town. I'm gonna give him like a mustache, and I think maybe like a. Ooh, I'm gonna give him like a Santa hat. Yeah. <laughs> Scott, no, roll, with, with, roll. With, no, you know what? Not a Santa hat. I'm gonna give him like devil horns. I'm gonna roll give him a curly, a curly Frenchman mustache and uh, and devil horns. Roll me a dexterity check now. This is this is becoming a whole challenge. You say something, Gloria, as Sky begins this. Scott, do you remember our goal is to not be caught or get murdered with my with full sincerity, Sky. This is how you get yourself killed. You just look at Sky who's just holding the pole, trying to like balance it in the most dexterous, maneuverable position. Yeah, and, like the Can mustache just... has already been drawn. Can I just try to mage Not No, I'm not going to mess with this because if I mess with this, it's going to make noise. I am just absolutely terrified. Like, this woman 
who had such a stature before, had such a presence, is just frozen in fear at you doing this. <laughs> Absolutely you see mortified. I have a 15, by the way, on, on the dexterity. <laughs> It's coming along pretty well, like, you know, like, the circles aren't perfect, but they, 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 they're, they're, you know, they're not too, too messed up. You get them around the eyes quite well. Um, and, yeah. Let's give him some bangs. Sitting. Just, like, little, little she says, vampire fangs. guy I found a red one, and he tosses you a red marker. <laughs> okay, we'll use that for the devil horns. No, no but even better. Juveniles. Uh, he, he walks up to, like, the only other closet here, opens it up. It's just lying floor to ceiling with red sharpies. Hey, Scott, I found where to keep the Sharpies. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just, like, looking at Gloria, and he's, it's like, Scoop seems a little motivated now. You juvenile. I'm going to offer up the 10-foot uh, pole. A, to... We need to get a move on. Well, hopefully we'll need someone real good to clean up after us, because it would be quite a shame if we ended up jeopardizing the mission right now. I could just as easily get you turned in right now. You do understand that, yes, little sir? We're just a couple of, uh, you might say, a couple of deviants coloring outside the lines. He winks at Sky. <laughs> well, how would it look if we find out that, as he, like, gestures towards, like, the now, like, unlocked door, there's been tampering with Mr. Lord's lock? I can assure you that perhaps our Demise might be mutual, but it will be far from equal. I don't know about the rest of you, but I came here purely to commit vandalism and for no other motive whatsoever. I can't believe I was starting to like you. She's just seething. <laughs> you can literally see like just a little bit of smoke drifting off of her head. <laughs> in my She's in my defense, Kenobi, right? You can have steam coming out of your ears. In in my defense, it's not, <laughs> not a terrible excuse for being in someone's office. You know, the the head of a major media company that you could conceivably have something against. You know, breaking into their office just to just to mess with them, just to you know, color some unfortunate things on their. Actually, very egotistical, very large self-portrait. I think that that's a better crime to be committing than theft, say. You must throw... understand here. Sorry, Hugo was saying, Hugo was saying too. If, I'm, if I may offer, it may end up actually a slight distraction from whatever documents we destroy. Alright. You guys need to understand Lloyd Tab is an unleashed pit bull. If he has something to attack, he will go at it until it is completely destroyed. Understood? I mean, you see how that man is built. This is how you get yourselves killed. With four letters. K-I-L-L. -L. And not even as a power word. Just with those arms. You, you can see those arms. Sense is six letters, technically. Yeah, and Sky, you by now you have finished your art restoration or desecration, however you want to phrase it. Let's just get in there. We'll sort this out. I know it's not ideal. I am begging you to please make wiser decisions. Do you take any of the t do you take in do you take any of the the tools of the crime with you? I mean, for pole, marker, or tape. 
The ten foot pole is incriminating. I mean, we bought them off someone. Yeah. Uh, the the tape and markers, whatever markers I used, sure, because you know fingerprints or whatever. Yep. Just stuff them in my bag. You guys could have had gloves. Like Scoop would have provided you guys with gloves when you were in the office. Probably Hugo doesn't have them, but Hugo's I know it's the type who usually keeps his hands in his pockets. Gloria wears gloves but... as a fashion statement. Yes, <laughs> and they look just awesome. Sequined. Um, and mm-hmm. as uh, you know, Gloria like finishes like the last final like little bit of a spell. You see like all these sort of like circles and stuff like indicating the sort of arcane tumblers of this lock kind of slide into place and there's just like a flash as the last of the wards on the door open and it swings open and just a little bit of streetlight shines in through a very wide office on the other side. It's like there's a double door and she undid like one of the doors that you can slip through. As you leave the desecrated giant painting of Mr. Lloyd Tab behind. Wonderful. Let's get in there. It's the plan that Hugo and Gloria are going to stand outside while Scoop and Sky step in. I thought we were going to follow behind. Okay. I think somebody... They had in first as master trap solvers. Right. Sky, you're on the lead and Scoop's right next to you. Alright. So we're we're, we're going in there, then. What's in... What what do we see? Meanwhile, at the Sky Docks. Soup and Gendon too find themselves stepping into the unknown. Can I look in, can I look further into the grate? Yes, you can. You see there appears to be a couch, an old table that's growing with mildew. You see that there are some sort of alternative cover bands, posters sort of lined against the wall, molded over as well. And in the back there is just a sort of crate. <gasps> like a sealed sort of like lid container. Do I about still three feet in every up? diameter. Do I still detect magic up? That is the source of the magic that you are sensing inside. What kind, can I tell what magic is? Can, can I? There's like a small cot hanging above it, but empty. Can I check out that crate? Yeah. It has a, a big sort of uh, keyhole on the front of it, though. Gandon. And it looks almost like a refrigeration box. Gandon. Yeah? Key. We see Gandon just like lean into the door, like cautiously looking for more traps that soup just walked into the back of. Not didn't set any off. You don't think there's any more? Key again. No, no, I'm doing it. I see the keyhole. I'm still going to unlock this thing. Which key? The, the Otis key. Does it fit? It's a bit of a rattling to the side before it slips in. <gasps> oh my god. I told you it was worth it. I told you. I'll unlock this fridge thing. You lock it. We there's found- just a chunk and a bit of mist drifts out the side. Wow. And you see peeking out of it now a sort of uh, golden light. Whoa! I open we further. You <laughs> see as the lid opens and we've, we're looking, looking at the two of you as just a line of golden lights rising up above your head as like the keyholes now being projected on the ceiling. And you look inside and you see what looks to be a small briefcase. Ooh, briefcase. Shrouded in golden light. But it looks very advanced for a briefcase, but also very old. This is literally the Pulp Fiction briefcase. I'm gonna pick it up. I'm gonna pick it up. I want it. Let's take a look at this. So do you reach your hand through the sort of golden aura surrounding it? Is Detect Magic still up on soup? Oh yeah, yeah. Since you opened the crate, the crate seems to have been protecting whatever light was in there a whole lot. But opening it now, it is very, very strong. Very, very strong Uh, of what school? 
it, it's giving you threads of something that you don't recognize. You there's a school what? there, but there's, there's a theme there that you can't quite grab or recognize. Should I risk it? I really want to risk it. You want to risk am... it? At, this is, you have free will. I will risk it. You extend your long bugbear arm through the field, and as your hands pass through, <laughs> it flickers for a moment and then kind of like scatters as if popped like a bubble. <sighs> Little rune floating everywhere as the light inside fades to the light that you have shining through the back. What? There's a fit of a shifting from the briefcase. Hello? Like a little latch on it, no luck. Pick up the briefcase? You pick it up. Do you, like, lean it sideways and grab it by the handle, or do you pick it up flat? I try to grab it by a handle. You pick it up, and there's just a... You feel something sliding around inside of it. I Soft. And you hear scratches on the inside as you begin to sort of tilt it. I spend a spell slot to cast Speak with Animals. Sure. Are you unlatching Hello? it? You don't hear a reply. No, no replies. Mm-mm. I unlatch it cautiously. You latch it on the side, and you see as like a little snout pokes out, and two little beady black eyes, which are very squinted tight, as if like it just woke up from a long nap. It sticks its head up, and you see like a little bit of like a long sort of like tail, like wraps around the handle outside of it, as it's like poking its head up, and there's like a little bedding inside of there. As you see, like a little possum praying its head. Hello. And as you see, it leans upwards. There's like a little bit of a metal tag that looks kind of nice, made of like a jet black material that says Otis. Otis. Around its deck. Hi, Otis. It's blinking. I cast speak with animals, by the way. Cool. Uh, you don't get a immediate response. It doesn't seem to be very talkative. All right. And then it just lays its head down, closes its eyes. You want some food? It just seems to be storing right now. I'll pick him up. We see like a little anime bubble come out of its nose. I'll, I'll take the possum. Oh god. Do you think it was so the briefcase or you scoop it up? It just looks like some some loose beddings in there. Yeah, I'll, no, I'll keep him in his briefcase. That's his little house. Um, roll me, roll me, roll me a nature check. Uh, what's my nature? Wow, my nature is a negative one. You're a druid and your nature's negative one. Yeah, and roll me yes. a roll me a nature check as well, because you've encountered possums in the wasteland. They're I have encountered possums in the wasteland. All right, that's. I 12. got, I got an eleven. You both see like a little bit of pouches on its belly as it rolls over. You are confident that this possum's a female. A female Hello, possum girly. named Otis. Yeah, I'll put her. I'll put her back in her little house and keep her with me. Okay. I'm gonna go check on Dimitri. It's at that point that uh, Dimitri says, I've got it! I'm gonna roll one more time for Birch. <laughs> oh, Birch. Nope. Birch. No, poor Birch. Birch will never. As you... Actually, no. No, he's finally got the Slim Jim in. Hey. Whatever's coming of that, we don't know. But as you see that, you see Dimitri says, All right then. Now, if all of you are done fucking around... Can we please get onto the actual mission? I think I've got it open. Awesome. And also, just for good measure, I'm going to spend a second level spell slot just to cast Healing Word on myself, because I don't want to go down. Okay. As you make your way over, are you uh, carrying Otis? Yes, I have Like, flat? Flat in the briefcase? So you just got, like, one arm flat, or what? Or are you just dangling it? I guess carrying, like, a briefcase just so I have a free hand. 
All right, so you hear a little thump. So Otis is probably just all piled in the corner of it now. Um, oh, I'm sorry, too many Otis. Complaints. And as you go ahead, you pull it upwards. You see Dimitri uh, say, Did, I hope that what you found was worthwhile. As you see, like, he's currently in the process of, um, he's got, like, several, like, tumblers pointing in weird directions, but I think I finally figured out the locking mechanism. And he twitches one last thing, and then there's just a, and it sinks in and begins to lift upward, or lift downwards, as he begins to pull his various utensils outwards. And you see, as mist is drifting outwards, a lit-up interior that lights up as you step within it. Beefy boy, what do you make of this? There's just a silent snail on your shoulder. Oh, the snail doesn't talk. Oh, you're talking. You're using speak with animals on Beefy Boy. Yes. I still have speak with animals. <laughs> I think we broke Adrian. You've got to find a voice for Beefy Boy now. <laughs> you just hear static. What? <laughs> Is this snail literally no thoughts head empty? It's just static, yeah. <laughs> God, that's what it must feel like for the rest of my party members to talk to me. But rather than talk to Soup, the rest of the party is playing with fire. And by fire, I'm referring to Misha's other character. And by playing, I mean committing felonies in the name of fair and honest journalism. What do we yeah. see? You look at the far end and you can see the dark silhouette of a very large desk. And in fact, a very large chair. Clearly sized for a very large human being. Within this interior space is, well, honestly, a very stark, very utilitarian environment. Other than a variety of of, of localized clutter. You look at a, a small little uh, sort of couch, pair of couches that face a table with several magazines laid about. You see the desk itself has a couple of neat stacks of magazines. Many of them, you would notice, uh, not the ones laying on the table, but many sitting on the desk seem to be final print runs of uh, the, the Tomorrow's Issue for Tab Monthly magazine, which you see has the cover of a face that you recognize of Flint Skullcrusher on it that discusses exclusive intrigue into the life of Flint Skullcrusher. Back from the dead? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Fascinating. Uh, serial, kill yeah, serial killer or legend sort of like Mark's putting on it. And it has like other sort of like documents like put inside of it of like, you know, what critics are saying about new, uh, what are, the critics are saying about new club venue Riptide. You see oh, that I there's like other the stuff on there. Yeah. And Scoop is just looking disgusted at it. You see that there is, um, as I said, the very large chair. There is... What kind of chair is um, it? There's like a large sort of like oriental rug in the middle of the room that has uh, some, some nice hemming on it. What sort of chair? Like what kind of... Is it is it like a one of those fancy like ergonomic desk chair type things? Um, you look behind it and see that it is very neatly shaped to uphold a, you know... The individual who would probably sit in there would probably weigh around the realm of maybe like two, like 300 pounds or so. What I'm getting at is does but it have... It, it's very well shaped to this individual. In fact, you see like little sagging bits where the shape of this man's body has sort of pressed into the, uh, the little, like the little ergonomic pillow at the base of there for lumbar support. And... Darn, I was hoping he was kind of tiny. 
what I'm what I'm getting at here is you know in a desk chair where it has that level lever that adjusts it up or down. Yeah. Does it have one? Uh, you peek under the the desk and it does. Um... Can I just tape it all the way down such that when he sits in it, it'll immediately collapse to its minimum you're height? Gonna, like reach up and you're just gonna go ahead and grab a hold of it and you're just gonna start like taking some of the tape roll that you have from the massive closet of tape you found a moment ago and just bind it to there and then let go of the handle. So it shouldn't change um, the height now, but as soon as he goes yeah. to sit in it, it should just go all the way down. Yeah, yeah you can lean down. That takes, like, that, right that takes like 10 seconds for you to do. So as you're bending down there, uh, Scoop... No harm. Is looking, yeah, Scoop is looking through the magazines. You see like along like one wall appears to be the portrait of what you think is Lloyd Tab wearing a dress. But you look at the figure and it's a little different. It has like lipsticks. It has, you know, like a big sort of like floral gown on it. And so it just Lloyd has titled... Lloyd Tab in drag? It's, it's titled Mother. <laughs> it has like big curly gray hair and like, uh, you know, and the little little rollers. It looks exactly like Lloyd Tab, but it's just dressed differently. It looks exactly like him, except for some choice. very subtle details. But he looks a lot like his mother. That's horrifying. <laughs> it's quite <laughs> horrifying. And you, you sense like an intimidating... This portrait's much smaller. It's like maybe only about like three and a half by like two and a half feet tall. Uh, and probably like Scoop would probably be inspecting that a teensy bit. Very like disturbed. What's Hugo and Gloria doing? I was kind of hoping that he was like actually just like really short even for a halfling. And then like he just like really over exaggerated how big he was. Yep. But mm -hmm. darn. He's big. Um, I'm. You're, you're starting to see maybe why Glory is a little scared of him. Yeah, definitely. Hugo... Yeah, first of all, I'm just going to toss up a little detect magic just to get an understanding yeah. of more of our situation. Yeah. You go ahead and uh, you, you, you go ahead and you wave your wand in the air and open your eyes as you begin to read a little bit of the details. Um, and Hugo, what are you doing? Are you stepping in first? Or Gloria, are you stepping in first? Or are you having Hugo go in first? I'm having Hugo go in first. Ooh, there's something I don't know. It's Wait, very actually, dark in here, Hugo. Actually, no. Because I like the conversation I just had with Hugo. Okay. I'm just gonna okay. ask him, Hey, would you be able to help get our two associates here a little bit more focused? It's yeah. gonna be a lot more beneficial for everybody. Consider it done. Hey, hey, hey. I'm I'm already refocused. I'm done with the chair. It only took ten so seconds. You're, you're standing up to let go of the chair? You, as you go ahead, you pull on the chair, you feel the handle sort of like tug a teeny bit, and you try to let go and you can't. And then the little adjustable handle underneath of it turns pink, like that of a tongue, and you begin to see teeth grow out of the side of the chair. Ooh. And I need everyone to roll initiative. I need everyone to roll initiative. Out of character. I knew there was some trap in here. I just did not know what it was. Well, you see, I've done everyone the favor of finding it. <laughs> now we know what it is. Now you know why Gloria sent you in the room first. Mimic chair. I like it. I got a six. I was already a mimic chair. And it, I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I love the office pranks, but it was a mimic. And you, you, you touched the little handle under it. Went right for it. Good God. 13. Now, I, I want to know. What was that handle to the mimic? What were you grabbing? Ah! <laughs> and what is your problem? He did say it was Mimics only reproduce under high intensity moisture and heat. That's not helping. <laughs> okay, okay, let's go ahead. 
<laughs> and um, you grabbed its tongue, Sky. You grabbed its tongue. <laughs> it's gross. I know. So like, um, what does Tab do? Like, is wait, it but, but now it's like... wait, wait, but now its tongue is taped to its foot. Wait, you pull those up. You had to tape it to the upside. Or whatever. So Fine, it's taped to its head or something. Well, some of the I mean, no, it's got a little bit of tape down. on it. We'll yeah, we'll get to there. So like, is he constantly sitting so in this mimic, or does he? It's literally. It's literally tongue-tied. <laughs> also, right, I rolled so, 16. Alright, so 16 from Sky. You'll go. 6. Gloria. 13. Alright then. So, as we go ahead and begin into initiative, uh, we'll, the two of you are... This is, we'll say that this office, for the sake of things, is very large. It's about 40 feet from, from, from like front to back. It is more long than wide. We'll give it a good 25 feet wide. Though the corners are a bit curved in an ergonomic fashion, and there's like a window on the far end. You see that as Sky stands up, there's like a gurgling and a growling sound accompanied as she like tries to stand up, but is pulled back down by something tugging her down. And the mimic gets a surprise round. Uh, as you have grabbed a hold of it, Sky, you find like as it wraps its tongue about you and like drags you deeper down into it, and and you suddenly find yourself adhered and restrained to the mimic. You are considered grappled. The mimic, though, will go ahead and attempt a bite attack to you. That's going to be a 16 to hit. I assume that hits. Yes. Sorry, I was nodding because I... Yeah. You take nine points of piercing damage, followed by six more points of acid. Whoa. God, okay, I'm not technically dead. I'm one point off dead. What? Yeah, the... you, so you're, you're, up at, you're up at one. Wait, oh wait, did we ever replenish things at all? I don't remember if that happened. From when It would have it would have been during a short rest. But I assumed you would have one at any point. Um, you would have had one while you were waiting for them. So if you want to that was my bad for not calling it there. Just mark that you're at twenty two hit points. Okay. Yeah. But you take that damage. And uh do we hear any sound from Sky as that gurgling happens? Just and some choice curse words he, he just you just hear a swearing you just hear like a a bit of like a surprise like gasp as skies pulled down and there's just like swearing and gurgling and gnawing and lashing Yowch. and i like to imagine at this point everyone kind of like jumps into position we go ahead and cut to i guess it gets another round because that was technically a surprise round oh god fortunately though does a 13 hit you sky no. Alright, so as you go ahead and begin pulling back, you see like another row of teeth pull up as like the top of the chair itself tries to bite down on you. But you see as like your uh, cloak flares out and slaps it away, just giving you enough time to pull back. A new cloak that you got from Jack. Cloak of protection, baby. Sky, it's your go. You are currently adhere. you've currently got your hand sort of your, your whichever hand you were holding the handle down with adhered to the tongue of this creature and your arm halfway inside of its gnashing maw. Wait, to clarify, do I have the other hand free? You do have the other hand free. You're just grappled, not restrained. Okay, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull out a dagger and just start hacking away at the thing. Alright. Uh, do you wanna do anything with your bonus action first? Um Misty Step. You wanna Misty Step away from it? Sure. Right. I mean after hacking it up a bit, yeah. Okay, so you want to attack it first. All right, uh, so go ahead and roll to hit with whatever you're attacking it with. It's currently not engaged with anyone else, so it you don't get advantage from that. 
or you won't get sneak attack, but you will get to deal deal your damage. Fifteen. Uh, fifteen to hit. Mm-hmm. That will hit the chair mimic. But like, does he just like sit on it as a mimic? Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know. Do you really want to ponder those things? Eventually. God damn it, Ben. <laughs> You're welcome. Go ahead and roll me damage, Ariel. One and a three. Uh, okay, so four damage. All right, we see as you go ahead and you pull out your blade and as you lash out at it, there's like a massive sort of like cut inside of it that like opens up into another set of teeth as it like sticks its tongue out and little bits of corrosive liquid spit out. But your arm is still stuck in there. I mean, I would have assumed I'd go for the part that's holding my hand. Yeah, you you try to lash out at it as you sort of try to carve into it to try to pry it open. You do cut into it, but it still grabbed a hold of you. Okay. You want a misty step now? Yeah. All right, so we probably like see like as you've got like one hand, you've got to like bash the thing against your face a little bit, bump it with your nose. As we see, there's just like a warping. Where do you teleport to? Just like across the room. 30 feet away? You see, like, towards, like, the rug or, like, where yeah. Hugo and... What, you Into the middle of the room on the rug? Right near them, yeah. All right. So as you go ahead, you teleport at the end of the room. Um, you land on top of this, like, fine oriental rug, and you see uh, Scoop's, like, standing a little bit surprised as, like, the mimic chair begins to, like, sort of, like, lurch in a creepy angle. It's got, like, five sort of office chair-like legs as it seems to be beginning to, like, walk towards Scoop. Mimic on wheels. Um, and what do you say... I, I I'll just I'll just generally encourage everyone to attack the thing. All right. Like oh wait did I did I ever give a weapon to to scoop before? I don't remember. You haven't, but if you want to as a free action, I'll let you toss him something. Yeah, you know what? I will. I will uh, toss him. Denver pull. <laughs> Actually, I was gonna say I was gonna say toss him the crowbar. He's already got his crowbar. Oh, right, he has one. I have one, too. Well, he doesn't um, seem to be holding a weapon right now, and he's, like, fumbling. Like, he's not sure what to do. He's, like, fumbling for his camera right now. Yeah, yeah, okay, I'll give him the 10-foot pole. <laughs> you just, like, scoop. What do you say to him as you toss it to him? Here, take a pole. And you catch it, and, like, scoop just catches a 10-foot pole <laughs> that still has the marker taped at the end of it. Ah, coming in clutch. See, at and least if he doesn't, even if he doesn't manage to do real damage because there's still a red marker taped to the end of the pole, at least he can make it look like he's, like, drawn blood. <laughs> yeah, he just, like, stabs it and starts licking red. Um, <laughs> Gloria. Yeah, um, now that nobody's directly near this thing, can I just put it in, like, the smallest dome of Wall of Force that I can? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's the range of Wall of Force? Um, Wall of Force... It's 120 feet, and I can do a hemispherical dome with a radius of up to 10 feet, so diameter of up to 20 feet. But I will make. I'll, I'm just gonna shove it in like the smallest cube I can. All right. Um, you probably to get line of sight, like to get it right on there. You probably need to like walk forward a little bit to peer over the desk because it's like tucked down. You wanna like you won't be within melee of it, but you wanna walk forward like probably like a good 15 feet past. The yeah, I'm just gonna box it in. All right, so you make your way towards the center of the room, and as you wave it, there isn't—is there a save for this? There might. No, be. there is no save. I'm just making—I'm just putting it in a box. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just putting it in a box that can't break out of for ten minutes. Yep. You oh go God. ahead and you conjure a a box of that same sort of yellow energy that trapped you before Sky, and you see as it just a, a cube sort of like forms 
uh, at the edge of the desk. It probably like does the same thing where it shoves the desk a little bit and some of the papers go flying of the magazine. And you just see like tapping up against the edge of this invisible box. It's just this horrid, monstrous chair that is just gnashing, covered in eyeballs and teeth. And it's like licking against the edges, just trying to get out. Now let me explain to all y'all. This thing will be in this box for 10 minutes and I will have to use a little bit of my mental facilities to make sure it doesn't break out. Now, I expect you all to not be hooligans like you were outside and spend this 10 minutes that you have wisely. Of course, if I decide that you are spending your time in a stupid manner, I can release him early. Can you turn your volume down, Teensy Bet Misha? It's a little loud. Sorry. All good. As that's happening, Scoop spends his action inspecting the box you put it in with his stick. That Sky tossed him. Hugo, are you doing anything? I I have something that I'd like to ask after after Gloria's done talking. Then. Yeah, the, Gloria Gloria said her her piece that was on her turn. Okay. You do anything? Say anything? As she's just standing in the middle of the room. Yes. Um. If we if we attack it, the box does it go through or does it just mean nothing goes in, nothing goes out? Goes you no know physical things. Magic goes through. Ooh. So we can just kill this thing. Yes. If you'd like to spend How- your time and resources doing so. All right, we'll save that for if it gets really antsy. However, Gloria, um, as you and Hugo have that conversation, I have a question I want to ask you. Mm-hmm. Do you know the way? Does a 19 hit you? Oh. Uh, is that enough for me to shield myself? I will say you are surprised, so you cannot oh. react to this. That hits me. You see as she's pointing out towards this thing, as the rug she is standing on bags her. In, in Sky, you you step just it like slips underneath you a little bit. If you were standing any closer, it would have grabbed you. Oh, Fuck. No. I am thoroughly fucked. So is she, is she like up in it like it's a bag and she's inside? The rug has come to life and it like wrapped around her and then has turned vertical and you see that there's just a massive cylinder with Gloria's legs sticking out of the bottom. <sighs> And if that isn't enough insult to injury, some of the magazines that went flying from the desk begin to swarm together and flutter towards you guys. Oh gosh, we need to get to the files. It was at this point that animated doo-doo really began to hit the fan. And let's be honest, the fan was probably a mimic too. The team responsible for infiltrating Tab Media was in for one hell of a ride. However, this is not the cliffhanger we will be leaving you, our loyal listeners, on tonight. Because we have one more twist in store for you. We cut back to the Sky Docks. This might be a bit of a problem. Yeah? Can I see inside? And as, like, the mist sort of dissipates, you see that lined along all these sort of gun racks, and there are weapons. And yes, there are about 30 handheld rifles. But there are larger guns in there, too. And smaller guns. And probably by mass, the 30 rifles that you were informed of make up maybe about a quarter of the artillery that is stocked within this crate. Okay, okay. You see that there are small discs planted along one wall, grenades with keys in them, separated by little cubbies. You see that there is just like a BFG just sort of like mounted on one end that just has like a warning label slapped onto it. Experimental use only. Are they planning to do this to the 19th Street Union? Maybe they're planning something bigger. That's when you hear a sound of footsteps approaching you. And Dimitri steps outwards and says, Matthias, my friend, um, are you doing okay? 
and you hear voices talking outside. Are you guys spending time inside the armory or what? I am. I'll stay with Gandon. As the two of you are standing within that interior chamber, inspecting the high levels of uh, munition that are currently loaded within this interior chamber, the Beatrice steps outside and greets another familiar voice that Soup would recognize. And he says, Oh, hello. Uh, sorry there. I was not expecting you at this time. We've got a little bit heavier of a payload than I we were expecting. Oh, I hope that you were taken here in good hands. And you hear an exasperated voice say, Well, uh, I mean, it would be a little bit easier, but I think we got a little bit of a problem. At that point, you hear uh, doors suddenly kicked inwards as you hear several footsteps come inside and you hear on a megaphone. Stand down, stand down. This is the Velvet Blue. The Blue Raft asks everyone put their hands up, drop any weapons that you have, or prepare to leave the force. And as you kind of hear the sounds of footsteps and the sounds of noises ensuing, you hear several voices on one end responding. And you hear uh, the sounds of the Velvet Blue approaching. Are any of you stepping outside? Can I Can I close the crate from the inside? <laughs> there is the door on the bottom that you could potentially like lift up. Can we both work together? We're both boof. You we could, so no, one, no one's looking outside. Okay. No. We're locking ourselves in. So like just quickly like seeing like what's going on, you go ahead and you you're you're just leaving Dimitri and Birch out there. Okay, uh, that's it's a heavy door, and 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 yeah, I I want I want both of you just to roll me a strength check. I'm going to rage for this. Okay. Hopefully my palestry can help me out. Woo, eighteen. Come on. Hell yeah, sure. that's a uh twenty dirty twenty. All right. Uh, we see as uh, you go ahead. And what did you roll, Soup? 18. Okay, so that would come you to a total of 38. Combined DC, I put up with 35. Uh, the two nice. of you managed to grab the base of it. And as you... It's very hard to do, and you can feel like you're fighting like hydraulics or some magical equivalent of it. As you are going, as you begin to hear the sounds of bullets firing, spraying, you see like a bit of blood sort of spill out. You hear a modulated voice call out. You, you set, set us up. up. They're sealing the... And there's just a thunk. And all the sounds of combat, they're still there, but they're massively dulled. And as you kind of like close it a little bit, there's just like a couple of aether sparks spring outwards. And you just kind of find like the door sort of like... Seal itself shut. And the two of you are inside the sealed container full of guns as the battle ensues without you. And I think we will will come back to that. You have been listening to Electroball, as featured on Dice Carnival. We appreciate your support in listening to this podcast and leaving us a good rating. Please consider subscribing and following us on Twitter. Music is used with permission by this way to the egress. You can find links to them, some of our sponsors, and other collaborators in the description below. And lastly, remember that even folks like Soup need support sometimes. Be there for them.